Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. As we begin tonight, we're going to be going to the book of Philippians first to begin our study of the book of Acts. Why? Because when we get to Acts chapter 16, a large part of Acts chapter 16 is about the Apostle Paul and his first visit to the city of Philippi. Philippi was in Macedonia. Macedonia is now Greece. It's a part of Europe, okay, and the European continent. And this was the first time the Apostle Paul and indeed the first record we have of the gospel going to Europe. Okay, what a, what a magnificent step the gospel is about to take here when we get to Acts chapter 16. So it's only reasonable that we include some portion of the perspective that we find in, in, in the book of Philippians. Um, Paul and his companions, and let me tell you who was with Paul whenever Paul first got to Philippi. Paul went to Philippi in about the year 51 or 52 A.D. Uh, and, and so uh, it... It, it comes about here that the Apostle Paul had three other people with him that we know of. Uh, one, he had Silas. He had the prophet Silas from Jerusalem. You remember Silas? We talked about him last week, I think. Silas was not just a young little kid following the Apostle Paul around. He was a prophet. He was a recognized prophet uh, who, who was from Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem had sent him to Antioch. And he stayed in Antioch for a while teaching and prophesying and, 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 and sharing the word and carrying a mantle of authority in the church of Antioch. And also along with the Apostle Paul and Silas was young Timothy from the city of Lystra. You remember where Paul in his first missionary journey was stoned and drug out on the trash pile and left for dead? Well, Timothy was from that city. Paul now in his second missionary journey had just come through the little town of Lystra there near Derby, and had picked up Timothy, young Timothy now. It was, it, it, it was his first few steps on the missionary journey, and they walk on across and, and finish their journey going west through what is now Turkey. And uh, uh, from just about south-central Turkey all the way to northwestern Turkey. And they found themselves in the city of Troas, okay? Right beside the city of Troy. Some of you have been there. I think me and Bill Merritt uh, uh, walked all over those hills around Troy, didn't we? And uh, we even climbed up in the Trojan horse. And uh, so uh, it's, you know, it, it's extreme north, uh, northwestern Turkey, right on the Aegean Sea. And then also another person that, that is joining them just now, just in Acts chapter 16, uh, is, is uh, Luke, the physician Luke. He's a Gentile, okay? Now, Timothy is half Greek and half Jew. His mother was a Jew. His dad was a Gentile. Luke, as we understand, is all Gentile, okay? And then uh, Silas is a Jew and Paul is a Jew recognizably. And so in about AD 50 or 51, um, they were, you know, they had been in Philippi for about three weeks, maybe, maybe at most three weeks, just a few days uh, before Paul and Silas are arrested. They're stripped naked in public, taken to the city square, to the city center and stripped of all of their clothing, just Paul and Silas, not Timothy, and not Luke, most likely because Timothy and Luke were not recognized as Jews. Paul and Silas were. 
And it was the Jews who were very angry because Paul and Silas were preaching and converting Jews to Christianity to be followers of Jesus. And so here uh, they had done something, you know, uh, that, that these guys didn't want them to do. And so they just, you know, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. And they got them and they came and brought them before the magistrates. They stripped them naked in public and they beat them with rods. This was the common beating in the Roman system. The, the, the Jews would, would flail you with a whip, okay? But these were rods, literally rods. Sometimes they would bind two or three rods together. You can imagine uh, something maybe, maybe not like that, but like fiberglass rods. These, were, these weren't just canes. These were rods. They weren't steel, but most likely made out of wood, and they were probably fairly flexible. Sometimes they would bind three or four of them together, and then they would just... And man, they would beat you. And under the Jewish system, you could only get 39 stripes with a whip. But under the Roman system, you got beat until the elector. That's who beat you. It was his job. There was somebody in every city, a few people, that had jobs of beating people in public. Okay? They were called lectors. And the Roman system allowed the lector to beat you until he got tired of beating. Okay? And we'll read that a little bit later. It seems like that's what happened to the Apostle Paul and Silas here. And then they were put down into the deepest, darkest part of an inner prison, into a, in, 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 into a jail. Now, many times, history tells us that, that many times jails were privatized. Many times, uh, like, like former military commanders, they might, you know, go into the jail business, okay? And, you know, it happens in America. Some jails, a, a lot of jails, a lot of prisons are privatized. Well, you know, it, 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 it was so in that system. And uh, many times the, the, the prison was in their home. Okay? It was, uh, a, the, the, they would have a home, a, a larger home, and then they, the, the prison would be a part of that. And a deep, dark part of the basement was the inner prison, the dungeon to which Paul and Silas were taken. After they had been, you know, uh, uh, dragged into the city by a mob, stripped of all their clothing, humiliated in public, and, and then beaten with rods until the lector, you know, uh, the, the, the Bible says that when they had laid many stripes upon them, I mean, he beat them and beat them. They're bloody, they're sore, they're hurt, they're thrown into this dark dungeon, and then they are in chains and their feet are placed in stocks. The stocks came in many varieties. But when you only place someone's feet in stocks, normally it was something that you did that you would stretch their legs as wide as you could, being several holes in the stocks, and you would just stretch them, just absolutely push them either way as, as, as wide as you can. Can you imagine somebody pushing on your legs and just making them just as wide as you could, and then they would fashion the stocks? And you would have to sit there chained to a wall with your, with, with, with your legs spread as much as they could. And here they are hurting and sore. This is the picture where we get the Apostle Paul and Silas here in, in, in this position. Um, and, you know, the humiliation, the beating, the prison, the darkness. Well, that's about the year A.D. 51 or 52. Ten years later. A.D. 61, 62, okay? Fast forward 10 years. Paul decides he's going to write a letter back to the believers in Philippi where he had had that experience. They let him go the next day, 
Okay? I mean, God let him go at midnight, but they let him go and he left the city the next day. So 10 years later, the apostle Paul is in another prison. He's in prison in Rome. And he decides he's going to write a letter back to the believers in Philippi, those people that he had won to the Lord there in Philippi, and he's going to encourage them because a lot of things have happened in the Apostle Paul's life in that 10 years. From the time he left that prison in Philippi to the time that he got that prison in Rome. I mean, a lot of things had happened. And, and so he decides he's going to write them a letter. And, uh, um, uh, you know, he says, first of all, to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, in the 11th chapter, verse 25, he tells the people at Corinth, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've spent in the deep. You can continue to read that passage, but one of the three beatings that he told the Corinthians about happened there in Philippi in AD 51-52. Paul had not forgotten, 10 years later, Paul has not forgotten the beating. He's not forgotten the humiliation. He's not forgotten, you know, uh, the, 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 the public stripping. He's not forgotten the stocks. He's not forgotten the pain. He's not forgotten the personal cost, the personal price that he has paid to bring the gospel to those people in all that region. What it cost him to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in the book of Thessalonians, he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. He said, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. He's, he's remembering it. He remembered it when he wrote the Corinthian letters. He remembered it when he wrote the letters to the, to, to, to the Thessalonians. He remembered that they treated him so bad in Philippi. He remembers, he said, you know, uh, you know uh, we, we suffered. Even, even, you know, before we got to you, we were suffering. And we were spitefully treated. We were treated so bad in Philippi. As you know. But yet we were still bold to, to declare to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though it was tough on us, even though it cost us, even though it was, you know, arguable, even though, you know, it hurt us, even though there was great personal expense. It's been 10 years and Paul has written to the Corinthians about it. He's written to the, to, to the Thessalonians about it. What happened to him there in Philippi? He hadn't forgotten it. And now 10 years after he's in this prison in Philippi, he's in a prison in Rome, and he sits down to write these Christians. Something has happened in the Roman Empire. Christian persecution has become so popular. Christians had been removed in that decade out from under the protection of the Jewish religion and they were standing alone as an illegal religion and, and, and people were being martyred, people were being you know, put to death. They were being sawn asunder. They were being pulled apart by horses. They were being boiled in oil just for being a believer in Jesus Christ. 
People were soon, in another two years, they would be put on popsicle sticks and stuck up and set on fire to light the courts of Nero. Paul is in prison in Rome. It's, it's a difficult time. He was remembering what he had gone through, what it cost him when he first started out on this journey, what it cost him to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, what challenges he faced. And he also knew that greater challenges were coming. And he wanted the church in Philippi, along with all the other churches he'd written to, but he wanted them to stay strong. He wanted them to know that it can get tough. So he writes in Philippians, the first chapter, in verse 28, he's writing to these people who a decade earlier had seen him go through what he went through, had seen him publicly humiliated and beaten and put in stocks and just, for, just for helping a young lady get free from a demon spirit. He said in verse 28, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Now, this is something he's writing to the church here. I mean, he's, you know, it's, it's not long the Apostle Paul is going to be martyred, and, and he wants to make sure they're encouraged. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And if you will refuse to be intimidated, it will be a sign to them that, that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. Even if God has to intervene, whatever God has to do, I want you Philippians to understand that I have had this testimony that I have not allowed in this last decade. What you saw me do in, the, in, in Philippi, what you saw me do there when I was in jail, I have been doing in every trial, in every tribulation, in every difficulty, in every circumstance. I have refused to be intimidated by my enemies. And because I refuse to be intimidated, and because I am bold in Christ, and because I know in whom I have believed, it has been a sign to those enemies that they are the ones that are wrong, and they are the ones that aren't going to make it. You can't do that because I know that God is going to save me even if he has to come down here and do it himself. Remember we talked about, don't be intimidated. You're going to be saved. It's going to be okay. He continues. He said, verse 29. Now he's writing this to these people who saw him go through this. He said, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, you're going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ. It's a privilege to trust in Christ. You have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Oh my goodness, hold on a second here. <laughs> Don't be intimidated when bad things happen, difficult things come. Don't be intimidated when you're going through. Don't be intimidated when, when doing right and living right and living for Christ costs you something. Don't be intimidated. Look what I have done. It has been a sign to the enemies that they are wrong and I am right. And God has saved me out of them all. Even if he has to come down here, he will yet have his way. For you have not only been given the privilege of becoming a born-again Christian, you also have been given another privilege, the privilege of suffering for the name of Jesus. I think he might have got hit in the head one time too many. 
He goes on. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past. He's writing to those people who saw him humiliated there, who saw him beaten, who saw him drug off to jail and put in stocks. He said, you have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. You know that I, every place I go, I encounter persecutions. You know that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But you have been given a rare privilege. Not only the privilege of being born again, but you have been given a privilege. The privilege of suffering for what is right. Suffering for him. We're in this struggle together, he says. The world hates God and they hate you. They hate Jesus and this is just the way the world is. And we must understand that if we love Jesus, the world is not going to like us. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But here's what he said. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. You are going to be saved even by God himself. Now, let's turn our attention to Acts 16 now. Okay, this is, this is all what happened after Acts 16 that the Apostle Paul is reflecting on and remembering. Acts 16 here, what happened to the Apostle Paul set the tone of his life. I'll, I'll catch you up. In Acts 16, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come over to Europe and help us. And so he, he and Silas and, and Timothy and Luke, they get on a boat and they sail across the Aegean Sea and there they land uh, at, at Neapolis and they walk just a few miles and get to the town of Philippi. When they get to the town of Philippi, which was a Roman city, a very important Roman city, when they get there, uh, they, they, they went out to the place near a river on the Sabbath because they thought that that there would be some people out there praying. They, they were looking for some Jews praying. It takes 10 Jewish men getting together in one place at one time in order to hold a prayer service, okay? And what they found instead was a woman out there, okay? And it never indicates that they found uh, all these, uh, you know, Jewish men. They didn't find this, this, this participating Jewish people in this particular culture that were out praying and, 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 and you know, having a minion, having a uh, you know, uh, uh, forming a minion so that they could pray. But rather they found Lydia, who was from Thyatira. She sold purple cloth. She was a business lady. And they told her about Jesus Christ. And they told her about, about salvation that comes through him. And she believed. And she and her whole household were saved. And then she said, come and stay with us. And so the Bible says that she pressured them. No, you've got to come into my house. I mean, you know, you, you, you know you're the one that led me to Christ. And if you really think that I'm really a born-again Christian, if you think I've really believed in Jesus, then you need to come and stay with me. And so they went and stayed with her. And for a few days, they would go back and forth, trying, you know, witnessing to people and going back and forth into the city from her house. And, and as they did, there was this young woman who was a slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit, uh, by, by, by what the Greek word is python, a python spirit, a, a, a spirit of divination, a spirit of 
of, of fortune telling and she was literally owned by some other men and these men would make money off of her telling fortunes and every time they would walk by this young lady would say those are the men of God that have come to show us the way of life and she kept on day after day for a few days and it just kept irritating Paul and it just kept bothering him and it just kept you know she was saying the truth but it was still coming from the wrong spirit you know sometimes people can tell you the truth they can say things that are right but it's wrong it feels wrong it just feels like the wrong spirit it's just coming across wrong it's just irritating it's aggravating it doesn't matter what the words are it doesn't matter right or wrong what matters is is there's an irritating spirit attached to it and and this irritating spirit was irritating Paul and one day after a few days he turned and said come out of her you spirit and that spirit left her and then when the spirit left her the people who actually owned her and were making money from her they got all angry and upset because they weren't going to make any more money and when they saw that all their profit was gone they ended up going and getting Paul and Silas and they drugged them into the city center before the magistrates and there they accused them and there became this big riot this big mob this big fuss and fight stripping them naked and beating them with those rods let's let's, let's read about it. Acts 16 verse 19 but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities and they brought them to the magistrates and said these men being Jews that's the reason they just got these guys because everybody hated Jews nobody liked Jews everybody wanted to hurt a Jew Okay? And they knew they had a better deal instead of getting, you know, uh, uh, Luke, instead of getting Timothy and having this mixed group, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, they, 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 they may not want to beat Timothy. They may not want to beat, you know, um, 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 Luke, you know, this beloved physician Luke. And, uh, but, but these are Jews. I mean, come on now. Everybody, everybody hates the Jews. That's what he's saying. And so they got him and brought him in and said, these men are Jews. Well, all of a sudden, the mob begins to go, ah, you know, Jews. What are Jews doing here causing trouble? What they do to you? Oh, come on now. Y'all get the picture? That's what's happening. What did they do to you? They are exceedingly troubling our city and they teach customs which are against our laws it's not lawful for us being Romans to receive and to observe the things that they are trying to get us to believe and do we're Romans they're Jews they're trying to make us follow them and they're troubling our city and they're they're going against our laws and then the multitude rose up together in verse 22 against Paul and Silas and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods and when they had laid many stripes on them the normal beating was to beat the person completely down and unconscious and half dead. If you deserved a beating, the lectors came out, they got paid for it, 
They liked it, the crowd loved it, and they beat you until they could no longer hold their breath. It's what one, uh, one article I read today, and literally until they ran out of breath and could not swing the rods again. When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. You remember? Don't be intimidated, Philippians. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. It will be a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved even if God has to do it himself. There was a great earthquake. This is a divine intervention by God. God, listen, everything, Paul and Silas knew, everything's going to be okay because my God's going to deliver me. You know, I don't bow, I don't bend, and I don't burn. You know, you might knock me down, but you can't keep me down. And I will not be intimidated by any one of my enemies. Finances, you're not going to intimidate me. You know, uh, you know persecution allegations, accusations, you're not going to intimidate me. I'm going to be bold and stand up because I know everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to be intimidated by any demon, any devil, any desire of the enemy because my God is going to deliver me. I shall yet be safe even if God has to cause an earthquake, even if God has to come down himself, which he did in the person of Jesus. This is some good preaching. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Why? Because God wasn't about to let that beating be the last word. That prison be the last word. He wasn't about to let that those stocks be the last word. He wasn't about to let you know, those accusations be the last word. You haven't heard the last word until you heard from God. Don't let anyone condemn you, shut you up, sit you down, set you aside, run you off, you haven't heard the last word until you hear from God. And immediately all the doors were open, immediately, suddenly and immediately. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Not just Paul and Silas, but everybody in the prison. Let me tell you now, don't be intimidated by your enemies. You're going to be saved. Okay. At midnight, at the darkest hour, when they were hurting and they were tired. Now, these Philippians are watching this. Reckon how many of those prisoners got saved. 
Reckon how many saw that miracle and said, their God is able. The prisoners were listening. Reckon how many of those prisoners remembered that 10 years later when Paul writes back to them and said, you know what I did whenever I was in a difficult situation. I didn't allow my enemies to intimidate me. But even in my midnight hour in the darkest dungeon when I couldn't see my hand in front of my face and couldn't even put my hand in front of my face, whenever my feet were in stocks and I was in chains, Whenever I'd been beaten, probably on recognition, I was hurting and I was sore and I was bleeding and I was forsaken and I was wrongly accused and I expected to get beat the next day as well. But yet, what did I do? You saw what I did. I didn't let any, any enemy intimidate me. I began to pray openly to my God. I began to lift up my voice to the Lord. I began to glorify Him and praise His name. And a song of the Lord came out of my heart and I began to worship and praise the Lord in the midst of my enemies in my midnight hour in my darkest pain I began to worship almighty God and you saw what happened we are in this struggle together and I'm still in this struggle but my God is able my God is faithful who has delivered me out of them all he says in this midnight hour they prayed and sang praises most likely the hymns that they sang, it says they sang hymns, most likely the hymns came from the Psalms of David. That's what is normally referred to. They probably sang a psalm. Perhaps an angel you know, visited them and, and, and just reminded them, maybe spoken to their ear. Maybe he spoke into the ear, Psalms 119, verse 62. At midnight, I will rise and give thanks to you because your righteous judgments, because of your, because you judge righteously. You don't follow uh, other people's accusations. So at midnight, in my darkest hour, in my midnight hour, the psalmist said, I will rise and I will give thanks to you, almighty God. And that's what they were doing. They were praying and praising the Lord in their darkest hour. And all those who lived in Philippi knew the price that Paul had paid to bring the gospel to their city. They understood he was still in a lot of turmoil. They understood it could be intimidating whenever you're facing problems, whenever you get a bad report, an evil report, whenever you're under pressure and going through difficulty, it can be intimidating. It can be pressure that makes you want to shrink down. He said, but don't let intimidation take hold of you. Rather stand up in the midst of difficulties. Stand taller under the pressures of life. Whenever someone gives you a, you know, a, a bad report, stand up. Stand up and lift up your voice and be thankful to your God because you have been chosen by God and given this great privilege that you can trust in Him. It's a privilege to trust in Him and it's a privilege to suffer for Him. Wow. Well, life can be tough, but we are tougher still. Amen? Here are five things we need to focus on in our difficult times. Number one, keep praying and praising the Lord. In difficult times, keep praying and praising the Lord. Don't let hard times keep you from praying and praising God. Number two, we need to remember and focus on the fact that other people, prisoners, other prisoners, other people going through the same situation we've gone through, they're listening. They're listening. 
You will not only bring your salvation, God will not only show up to save you, he'll show up to save all those that are listening, all those that are watching. You might be the only hope they have. Number three, remember in difficult times, you are going to be saved. Remember when sadness comes and worry comes and heartbreak and heartache and disappointment and difficulties. Remember, you're going to be saved. You are going to be saved. It is going to be okay. God himself is going to make it that way. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know, you know, but I do know this, that God is going to save us. Deliver us, set us free. Number four, one of the things we need to focus on is the fact that our deliverance will come suddenly. Boy, one second it looks like the prison's so dark and chains are all around us. And suddenly, sudden, the Bible says suddenly the Lord will come to his temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly the Lord will come and so God is, is, is a God of suddenlies. Deliverance will come suddenly when you least expect it, when you don't realize it. All of a sudden, boom, you are delivered. You are saved. It's, it's, it's changed. And number five, let's keep our focus on the fact we're in this struggle together and God will use you and your salvation to save others. God will use you even in the midst of your difficult moments he will use you to save others. You see, that's what happened. Whenever the prison doors opened, Acts 16, verses 32 through 34, and they, Paul and Silas, shared the word of the Lord with this jailer and with all who lived in his household. And immediately he and all his family were baptized, having believed in God with all his household. Not only saved the people who were in prison with them, but they saved the people who were their jailers. And all of his household. God will use you. Remember when you're delivered, share the word. Don't be afraid of sharing the word. Don't think, well, if I do that again, they're going to put me back in there. Don't be afraid of that. Don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. You are going to be saved, delivered, set free. And remember, we are children of the Most High God. We do not bow. We don't compromise. We don't bend. And we don't burn.